Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Today we have a very special patriot that is running for lieutenant, lieutenant governor out there in Texas. And uh, he's been endorsed by Seth Cashel, another patriot leader that I look up to. And uh, I'm honored and happy to have you on here, Aaron. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Most definitely. Most definitely. So um, could you uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, what you're going to do when you get in the office and, and how you're going to change things down there in Texas? As many patriots throughout the United States, we see the border problem and, and we see we see some fake rhinos down there that's that's running things in Texas. And, and we definitely would love to see another God loving patriot really take control of things down there in Texas. Yeah, sure. So just a little about me. So I'm a small business owner. I've been married for 17 years. I've got a three boys. And what kind of got me into this race and why I'm as mad as everybody else is I, they started messing with our business, uh, with our supply chains. You know, they started with the vaccine, you know, the mask mandates and pushed all this agenda on us. And as a business owner, I kept looking at this going, I don't trust this. People are complying too easy. This is going to cause us problems down the road. And well, here we are two years later, and now we know exactly what I was afraid of. But the ultimate thing was for me is I have three boys, and my middle son broke his foot. And he's 11 years old, and I went, I carried him into a Cook Children's facility in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, to make the story stored, after uh, multiple administrators, three nurses, they talked to the doctors, they came back to me and said, we don't care that you have a medical condition. If you don't put on the mask, uh, we can't help your son. And they, they've literally said, we're not denying you service. You're choosing not to wear the mask. <laughs> and that was it for me. Like, I, I can't, I don't, I don't do well with tyranny. I don't do well with complying. I've only worn a mask twice this entire time. I don't force it on my employees. Uh, it's not my position. It's, it's not my right as, a, as another owner, as another individual to trample over your individual rights. And so after that, I looked at everything and, I said, you know what, there's three good candidates going after the governor, but ultimately the lieutenant governor in Texas has more power, and he could have put Abbott in check. He could have stopped all this from happening. You know, mandates aren't law. They didn't go through the legislature like they're supposed to, and it's unacceptable that we allow this to happen. Uh, same thing from the president. I mean, it, you know, as, as much as I like Trump, uh, I voted for him every time I could. Trump allowed this stuff to happen. He allowed the, he gave the states his rights to basically trample on our rights. And some, you know, Christy Nome didn't do it, but DeSantis sort of, you know, stopped it eventually, uh, more better than a lot better than Abbott did. And, you know, it took all these months like, well, we didn't know any better. Well, I don't care if you knew any better. You don't have the right to trample on our individual liberties. There's nothing in the Constitution that guarantees that right. So I don't care if you thought it was a pandemic. It doesn't matter. You didn't have that right. So I went after the lieutenant governor for that reason. He could have put Abbott in check. That is the most, most powerful position in Texas. It's about time they start acting like that. So that's the thing is, it's obvious Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick doesn't want to stop Abbott or he would have done it. And how I'm going to do things different is, well, if you're from the state of Texas, we give eight GOP priorities every year or every session because we come every two years to our senator. I mean, our lieutenant governor, who's the head of the Senate, which is where it's different with Texas than pretty much every other state. And he is supposed to get those priority do priorities done. Those are the priorities of the people. That's what we asked for. But for instance, in this last session, there were 486 bills that went from the House of Texas. There were almost 300 that went out of the Senate, yet we only got three watered-down versions of the eight priorities of the people. 
And so that's unacceptable. So what I've said is that one thing I'm going to do differently is day one, session one, I expect all eight. It's between eight and 10 normally. I expect all eight to 10, whatever it is, this session to be on my desk day one, session one. And if I have to shut down the government until those priorities get done, fine. Because I'm no longer going to take care of the lobbyists' priorities until we at least first take care of the elected people's priorities. And by that point, I probably done pissed the lobbyists off already. And they realize they ain't going to get anything out of me anyway. But, you know, but just so people understand, those eight priorities this last time were banning taxpayer-funded lobbying, protecting the monuments like the Alamo, uh, uh, the Sam Houston Monument in Texas. Very, very big history things. You know, we don't destroy our history. Uh, medical and religious freedoms, defending the border, abolishing abortion, child gender modification being stopped, constitutional carry, uh, I went a different word, officer, election integrity. The, if that doesn't sound like something you'd shut down the government for, I don't know what does, because as a conservative, those sound like my platform. So that's kind of the situation is if, if, if people have a problem with that and I'm not going to make friends, well, fine, because you're not a friend of us. You're not a friend of the people if, if you can't get those priorities done first. So that's kind of, that's my biggest thing about how I'm going to do it different outside of that, just being me and, being bold and telling you what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to, you know, so that you can hold me accountable. I'm not going to give you the little short answers. Like I'm going to reform your taxes. If you go look at my comprehensive plan on my website. Oh yes. Yeah, shut up. We all know what that means. So uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the me in a nutshell, basically, and kind of what I'm going to do. Awesome. Are you going to make sure that that wall gets continued built down there? Yeah, it's more than that. The wall's going to get finished. There's areas where the wall won't work. Where the wall won't work, what we need to do is, well, even, and even where the wall is, we need to have our State Guard of Texas actually funded, along with militia, because the State Guard's not well, not enough. Uh, they need to have proper rules of engagement so that they can actually fire back, because right now our National Guard carry pistols against cartel members that have 50 cows with thermals on them and, and Jeeps. <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I've also said that we, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, you know, make sure the deputies understand that they have the proper authority to deputize and do the things they need to do to protect their counties until we can properly secure things. And then the last thing is, you know, this is the state of Texas. If, if the federal government wants to continue to act like they can run all over my state and my state sovereignty, then then we'll put it into that. And that means turning the buses around because they do move on state highways to go to those airports to fly them all over the country. And you know what? Those DLT buses can turn their butts right back around and go back to the federal property. And then the United States government can come stop me if they don't like it. So, yeah, that's that's my plan for the border. Nice. Most definitely, because that border is a it's a major, major problem with the the drugs and the trafficking. And I've seen a lot of Patriots. Um, I believe it was last weekend. I know Lynn's Piper Loomis was one of them. And she's a good friend of this group. She was down there. Uh, everybody, a lot of a lot of patriots went down there by that border that's running for Congress and whatnot. Even I think Flynn and his brother was down there as well. That's a major issue. And I was watching Lynn's Piper Loomis her um, her video with the lady. I believe she's with uh, the Latinos for Trump, and she had this a little kid's shoe and a purple bracelet in her hand and. It almost put it put a tear in my eye when you hearing these kids are being sent from over the border and they're labeled, they're tagged for sex, for their organs, and there's a price tag on that fucking bracelet. Like man, that's as a parent that that's very frustrating. You know, that's 
Ooh, we do we definitely got to fix these borders and what's happening. Well, it's not even that. Well, the first time I went down to the border, we watched a one-month-old baby come off the raft. Um, that's probably uh, oh, that was being facilitated by our national guard. National guard are just being required to help these people. So uh, I got uh, that was very sickening as a father of three. That made me uh, disgusted. So yeah, it's uh, we can't do it. It's not just an invasion; it's a humanitarian crisis, and you don't fix a humanitarian crisis by allowing it to continue to go on. You have to discourage the the traffic because it's not just about the the price tags. Those price tags come with indentured servitude. That that is the money that they've racked up for those children, or the or the women, or the men, all of them. In order, to, that's the price tag for them to get across. And so they are basically sold into slavery into our country, and until they paid off that debt. Uh, they they're never free, so it, it's a major major problem. It's it's not just simply shutting down a border. Wow, well they definitely need some patriots taking office because uh, that Abbott guy. I mean he can try to do whatever he wants now to make himself look good, but everything's it's, it's kind of like Sleepy Joe. It's happening under his watch. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, he's he's not done anything. He's he says the same thing you know four or five years ago when he was running for election. Uh, boots on the ground, drones in the air. Oh, yeah, what happened? Where where were they when you had a Republican president in office that was that was actually going to build the wall? Where where were you at then, helping make sure that was finished and done? He was nowhere to be found. He was, you know, oh, it's the federal government's problem. Too bad. I don't care about my people. So, yeah, he doesn't realize that the Patriots. Uh, I, I a, lo- a lot of these guys, you know, these these uh these these rhinos and. <laughs> these older politicians, they don't realize, you know, they, they just think that it's the same arena. They think it's let's, and I said this to our state rep last night, Timothy Rantham, they they think it's go on CNN, MSNBC, Fox news, go on to that freaking fake promotional, like when the two boxers are head to head and they say words and there's a fake little fight just to, to geek everybody up to want to watch that fight. It's like we we see past your games. You know, it's not just go on to the news and think you're going to get our votes these days. If you're not coming to us and, and letting us and, and being real with our spirits and letting our spirits connect, we are not supporting you. And if you're not supporting our freedoms and our rights and, and the 2020 election, <laughs> you're not getting our support. And, and I love Seth Ketchel for that because he – when he came here to Wisconsin, he goes, so these guys that are trying to ask you for your vote, ask them where's the, where do they stand on the 2020 election and what are they going to do to fix the 2020 election? And he says, you pretty much know from there on, on if you should support them or not. And it's 100% true because people in our state, they're asking the GOP members, what are they going to do to fix 2020? They get they get very angry with them. They either stop the meeting or they just shut them down and won't even talk to them. We can't have that. Where's the transparency? Well, we know where the transparency is. They don't want it. Our Republican Party fights. The Republican Party of Texas fights me. Uh, <laughs> the people, I shouldn't say just the Republican Party of Texas, but they've not been that bad. But uh, the Republican Party as an establishment, the the GOP groups in Texas, everything, they fight me more than a Democrat would ever fight me. Uh, they have no interest in giving up their system, and, and they don't want you to go and audit the election because they're cheating too. 
and that's the problem. That's why five, you know, you know, Georgia and, and states like that sold us down the river. Uh, Arizona, you know, they they don't want it to be fixed because they know they're messing with it too. And if we expose it, they're going to be exposed. So most of these guys just want to talk you in circles and hope you'll forget about it and move on. But you know, and you said to the Patriots, you know, as Patriots, we're not going to take this anymore. Well, the reality is, until we vote them all out, or at least enough of them in one round, like March first for us in the primary, they're not scared. Until we change the way we vote, uh, and, and yeah, did we do it for the presidential? But it needs to be more than that. Like it needs to be a mass, you know, removal of all incumbents, like for Texas on March first. We need to see double the amount of people coming out to a primary that don't come out, and we need to see these guys wiped. And when that happens, whew, you want to see a bunch of people start acting right and do what they're supposed to do. That'll change them because then they're going to believe we actually are going to stand up for ourselves. 100%. I, I agree with you um, 100% on that one. You know, they they are very arrogant because they're just like, oh, those idiots, they'll just, they'll just say whatever they want. We'll still be on the, we'll still be in office. Well, I think a big change is about to come, tell you the truth. Um, one thing I, I see that you and uh, Seth Keschel, you guys are going to have an event coming up, I believe, on the 20th. And there's like the Convention of States in Texas, a bunch of candidates that are running. Uh, yeah, February 20th, I'm with Seth Keschel, uh, multiple people, Chad Prather, uh, a couple other people. I'm not sure who all's there. I can't remember right now. But uh, yeah, it's a good amount of people that believe in elections, you know, fixing the elections and things like that. So, but I, I can't remember the whole list. Uh, conventions of state. I'm not sure. If, I think they may be there. Uh, that's that's part of their area, so they'll probably be there. And I've gotten a big following from conventions of states right now. They can't officially endorse, but uh, they've pretty much been spreading me all over their boards in state of Texas on the private side. So uh, you know, more than likely, they're going to try to beat any event I'm at. So awesome. Well, you know, I know you're sitting in the car, and that's got to be uncomfortable. So I'm not going to uh, <laughs> linger it on, and, and I'm going to let you. Hey. It's life. You you do what you got to do. I, I I try to get to a to, to somewhere a hotel at time, and I didn't get I didn't get there in time. So it is. I'm on a I'm in a car all the time. It's not a big deal. So most definitely. Um, if there's anything else you want the audience to know about yourself, or we can just hop right into Q and A. I mean, I I mean, I answer pretty much early on most of the basic stuff. So I'd say to go Q and A, and then I'll be able to answer more questions. Most definitely, Tina. And she's a okay. Texas. Texas Patriot. I am a Texas Patriot, and um, I want to ask you a question. What do you see as the number one issue you want to tackle here in Texas? Uh, number one. Good God, that's so hard. There's so many major issues right now. <clears throat> I would say from a moral standpoint, right off the bat, is child gender modification. I see immediately when I get in office. Uh, abusing these children is unacceptable. Um, that's probably the easiest one to cut off immediately. Um, then I would say we need to move in pretty much border and then election integrity needs to get handled because at one time, man, I've got that session to work on trying to get election integrity done. But like I said, if, if the top eight priorities are really my priority, it's not really about me as Lieutenant Governor because it's it, I don't write bills, so the bills come to me. So the the new set of eight bills effectively are going to be property taxes, border, child gender modification, election integrity again. I mean, so they're going to be the major issues. So that's my goal is to get all that done because it, it's a multifaceted problem. You can't just simply go after one of these things. There, there's too much in there's too much corruption across the board. 
And so I, that's really my priority is just getting those eight to top 10 issues done. First session, not a special session, you know, just knock that out. Don't let anything else happen until then. Those are great goals. And I really appreciate that. I noticed also today I put your name in telegram and you do not have a telegram channel. Is that correct? No, I do. It's oh, under Sorrels for it's under Sorrels for Texas. Oh, Sorrels for Texas. Okay, great. Yeah, Sorrels number four, Texas. Yeah, I've got one. Okay, cool. Okay, so Eddie Kane, you're up. And if anybody wants to ask a question, please um, click your hands up button, please. Hey, Aaron, it's uh, really nice you coming on uh, CPN here. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, I have like a three-part question. Um, I, I was looking over at your bio over on um, Val Valapedia, Valapedia. Yes. And uh, I see you're, you're way down in the polls here. What what can we do? As I'm a, I'm a natural-born Texan here. To help you to to make the successful run. Well, question for you first off is where did you see I'm down in the polls? It was on ballot ballotpedia. It shows Dan Patrick up fifty two percent, which you know polls are you know obviously. Uh, that's actually making me interested now. I'm trying to actually pull it up while we're talking on my other phone. Uh, there has been no official polls released on the lieutenant governor. They've all been garbage polls, and like I tell everybody, uh, I've already <laughs> I saw a poll where one of the guys who's not even running, uh, well, he's running, but he's not like he's never at any events, he's never at any forums. He got one of the guys who's like, I predict this sixteen percent. A guy that's at no events anywhere in the state, sixteen percent, really? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then there's other polls where, so there's been two or three polls already I've seen where I was the technically the second person in, but I was the first serious candidate in six months ago. And they're not even putting me on the polls. They're purposely trying to keep me from getting my numbers out there. It's, it's, um, it's quite, it's quite funny actually. Um, but you know what? People like us don't answer polls. We get those damn text messages, those phone calls and we're like, yeah, right. I don't know who you are. I ain't giving you any answers. Screw you guys. So I don't believe in polls, uh, you know, but as far as getting my name out there, Share my social media, uh, obviously Telegram, so you can uh, add, you know, join my Telegram. Spread my message, talk to your friends and family. You know, the, the biggest thing is make sure March 1st, I, I, you know, one of the ways we do beat the election fraud is we don't do early voting. So unless you have no choice, go March 1st and, and make sure you call five friends and or five or 10 or more and say, where are you at? Why aren't you at the polls? I'll come pick you up. You know, make sure we get to the primary. And, you know, I, I, I honestly... I think I'm in second place. I don't care what these pointless polls are doing. Uh, I hear from all over the state. I've got people already talking about me running after John Cornyn if I lose. i got people asking me to run for vice chair of the Republican Party of Texas because she's an Abbott lackey. So I, you don't get that kind of attention. Uh, the Epoch Times called me the other day and asked me for my opinion on uh, Dan Patrick's open border committee, uh, new border committee thing he's lying about. And I was the only lieutenant governor candidate. The Epoch Times doesn't go to the guy at the bottom. So clearly whatever they're looking at showed that I was, you know, the main one to go to. So, you know, but as far as getting my name out, you know, that's why I'm doing podcasts like this, uh, you know, just spread my name. That, that's really it. It, it. it doesn't take a lot of money to win a race. In, in all reality, if we did things right, if we went out there and spread the message of, of Aaron Sorrell's, 
uh, or whatever governor candidate you want or whatever you, whoever it is, if we went out and did that and participated like we did for Trump, we wouldn't have these problems. When everybody was voting for Trump, what did they do? Oh my God, have you seen Trump's video? Oh my God, are you going to vote for Trump? Oh my God, are you going to do this? But every other candidate, they're like, well, I know there's a guy running. It's like, I haven't really looked into him. So it, it's on us to push that message. And if we do it, I think I've got a good chance to get second. Will I beat him or heads on? No, but uh, I think we're good enough to get him under 50 and get him into a runoff. And if I get him into a runoff, he's done. So. And I love your energy and your devotion to, to Texas, man, and your faith, man. That's awesome. Um, as far as the governor's race, uh, who are uh, who are you kind of looking at? The favorite question everybody asks nowadays. Uh, so, personality-wise, I go with Chad Prather. That's I've been around Chad a lot. Uh, all here's the deal: all three of these guys, we've never had a challenge on Abbott once, let alone the chance that we get three qualified people to go after uh, Abbott in one run, but they're three totally different people from Alan West to Don up on the Chad Prather. Those three are all intelligent men. The thing for me is Chad Prather is down to earth. He doesn't act like he's a hotshot, even though he's well known and got money and everything else. Uh, when we go to events together, he's in the bar or wherever it may be hanging out till the very end, talking with people, you know, acting like a normal person. He's not a politician, and one day he got pissed off and said, I'm going to do something about it. It's kind of my position. You know, that, that's, that, that's all it really comes down to is do we want people that have been there or do we want regular citizens that stand up? And that's that's kind of my my pull towards Chad. Will I vote for Alan West or Don Huffines in a runoff against Abbott? 100%. I like both those men. I've talked to, them. I've talked to both of them. I know their teams. Uh, they're very good qualified candidates. But I'm going to go off personality and – and the same reason I, you know, the things I'm looking for when I'm voting, and that's Prather for me. Thank you for your candidacy. Uh, sure. I, I guess your my final question is: I'm in precinct four. Have you ever met Pat Fallon? I know he's endorsed by Trump. But I have not met Pat Fallon. I'm not personal fan of. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Pat Fallon. There's some interesting issue with him trading stocks right now, and a few other things. And he, he, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people up there like him. I'm not a big fan of him. There's some things I don't like about him. But like I said, it's uh, it's not my district, so I don't really get into it. But there are some stuff, you know, is he as bad as some of the other ones? Maybe not. Uh, I don't even think he's really getting challenged that much. But um, like I said, I, I don't know enough to really go one way or the other, except that I know there's some questionable stock trading stuff with him right now. Hey, thank you, man. And much respect for coming on CPN, man. Um, I, I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Linda, Texas Patriot, you're next. Hi, this is Linda in Texas. Hi, Linda. My question, hi, my question to you is, would you be in favor of banning all machines and going to paper ballots only? 100%. There should not be an electronic voting system in Texas. I'm a computer person. You cannot, every electronic is hackable one way or the other. Uh, the amount of money we're spending on electronic voting machine is a joke. The amount of, we could, we can hire thousands of people to count paper ballots on the night of the election or through the next day. And it would still be cheaper than these electronic voting systems. Uh, you know, there, there, we probably need to do multifaceted thing like, you know, putting your finger in the ink that a lot of countries do so that it stays there. So there's obvious, you know, you need voter ID. Uh, I'm, I'm with the, uh, I agree with Seth and, uh, Prather on the fact that I think we need to purge voter rolls. We don't. We can't trust who's on the rolls right now, and people need to re, uh, re um, 
reapply for their voter ID or for their voter registration. We, we don't trust our system now and it's unacceptable. Uh, funny tidbit though, <clears throat> most people don't realize that the counties of Texas don't have to follow what the Secretary of State says. So if we actually wanted to change this, we wouldn't even need to go to the legislature. We could just have counties vote in uh, paper ballots and tell, tell them to take their, their uh, electronic voting machines and have fun with all of them. But uh, people don't realize that they think we have to follow the Secretary of State. So we could actually do this without any legislation right now. It would just require the counties getting on board. How would you go about doing that? How would you get the counties on board with that? Well, one county already tried it. Potter County up in the Panhandle already tried to do it. I believe Potter covers Amarillo. Uh, Potter did it, but their their county chair threw a big old fit because he's an establishment hack, and uh, he he they went against it. So you would have to. One of the big moves we've been doing in Texas right now is trying to get the precinct chair seats finally filled. Uh, precinct chairs as a whole are one of the most potentially the most powerful position in Texas. That's why the Republican Party has always dodged filling them because they know the power that all the precinct chairs combined can do. So, you know, you get enough precinct chairs in, you put pressure like we've done in a few counties to get the county, the crooked county chairs out, vote them out, replace them also. And then when you you replace the county chairs and, and a couple of things like that, you can go in and get some of this done. But, uh, you know, that's part of the reason I ran for lieutenant governor. We have too many areas in Texas to try to change out so fast. It's going to take some time. And unfortunately, I don't think we have enough time for that. So I went for lieutenant governor because I'm not going to be pushed around and I'm going to hop in there and, you know, get 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 the the the, the boot off of the the neck of every county and every citizen of texas and go for it from the top and then hopefully give the power back to the local levels where it belongs oh well, a good place to start would be with your county chairman yes county chairs precinct chairs oh, yes those are big those are a big deal people don't realize how big a deal they are one more question if you don't mind sure what news channels do you listen to Sorry, I had to clear my throat. Say that again, it was kind of low. What news channels do you follow or listen to? Almost none of them. I'm running for office. I ain't got time. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much, uh, if I was going to watch regular TV, it'd be OAN because Newsmax is owned by a Democrat. And uh, so I don't try. I haven't trusted Newsmax since day one. I couldn't believe everybody fell for that one. Um, outside of that, you know, I try to I try to read more forums and and different websites and things like that. I don't. I don't really stick to one media because you need to get a. You need to get a. You know, a little bit of everything that actually have a, a real opinion on what's going on. So, but uh, I try not to ever, ever listen to any leftist media because I don't. There, there's nothing honest about anything they say. So you can't even. You can't even get it from the other side. You'd be better off getting Fox News and OAN. Maybe that would counterbalance because Fox News isn't right anymore either. So, uh, but yeah, that's about the gist of what I do, uh, mostly websites and things like that. And then, like I said, if I was watching TV, it'd be OAN. Thank you very much. You're welcome. If anyone has a question, please click your raise your hand button. And right now, Lily Bird, you're up. Hi, sir. Thank you so much for what you do. I'm a Georgia resident, um, hopeful future Texas resident. Uh, my children and I dearly do love the state of Texas. Um, my question is in regards to CPS reform and family court reform. Uh, while in Texas, there was a CPS case uh, open, and I was—I uh, have a recording of that call. It's a 17-minute phone call, and the CPS of Texas states 
that I had to give them my location every single day or they would find me and put me in jail and take my children and they could give no reason why. Since then, I have that case closed. I visited Texas again with my children in December. I traveled to the state of Oklahoma and there were people who opened a, a case and referred it to Oklahoma and my children were kidnapped in the state of Oklahoma. We were tracked. My children now sit in Oklahoma CPS in an undisclosed location and um, they have no jurisdiction over my children. I've committed no crime. They, have, they don't give me any reason why that they have my children, but they want me to agree to all of these um, conditions in order to get my children back. So my question to you is, um, do you see um, yourself um, dealing with any sort of CPS court reform and family court reform in the state of Texas? So I guess you're talking about alienation, correct? Um, it's not alienation. They actually have no jurisdiction. They actually. Uh, I know, but you're alienated from your children, right? So I, I took am them from you. Yes, sir. I am alienated okay. from my children now. And, and okay, I'm so um, on my website, I actually listed family courts um, overhaul for a reason. Uh, it's so CPS from the administration side is actually under the attorney general in Texas. Most people don't realize that. So when you're looking at Ken Paxson or Louis Gohmert or Guzman or Bush, don't don't vote for Bush, by the way, ever. Um, but when you're looking at that, the attorney general actually is the one that handles the CPS on a day-to-day -day, uh, because the reality is, while there is problems with CPS and plenty of them, the bigger issue is the family court system because the CPS people only do what the family courts order them to do. And it's a major, major problem in Texas. It's not just Texas, but then you move over to the adoption system where we're brokering children in Texas. So in case anybody doesn't understand how adoptions in Texas work, Think of it like a real estate broker. So you have your brokerage and then you have your real estate person underneath your brokerage. And then you go to the real estate person to sell your home. Well, that's what's happening with children. Uh, we have a brokerage who buys children effectively. Then they set up an agency underneath them that you have to go to to get your children to to, uh, to do the training to get a, to, to, to adopt. That could take anywhere from six months to a year and a half. It depends on each person, but a lot of them take close to a year. Um, for all that work, you go and look for a child. You can't just look for any child. You have to look for the one that's in the brokerage that's assigned to that agency. So the agency is funding, funneling money to the brokerage for all the, the licensing fees. The state is paying the brokerage for all the all this stuff. And they're effectively trafficking children through our adoption system. They, dis, they disenfranchise the churches. They don't want the churches helping. My church has to go through an intermediary to hand over beds and other things to, to CPS or to the adoption agencies to actually help these people, help the families. So our entire system when it comes to children from the family courts to CPS to adoption is absolutely broken. It's disgusting is what it is, and it needs to be stopped. The stories I've heard, your story that you just told, I've heard other ones very similar. I've got a guy that's in South Carolina that's having severe issues um, because they basically his kids are, uh, they've, you know, alienated him from his kids because of some rules with the, 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 the mom. Um, I've, got, I've got mom saying the same thing like you, where they've lost their children completely. I don't know what that's going to take, uh, but it needs to be fixed. And that's why I said it's on my deal about a full, uh, not just we need to fix the courts. We need an entire overhaul of the family court system in Texas uh, because it has no interest in protecting the nuclear family and, and our children. Uh, it, all it cares about is money and how much money and power it could take because they take your children like that. They demand all those rules from you. You're going to probably have to pay fines and penalties and everything else. It's just a money grab for the state, <clears throat> and they shouldn't have that power. They they should never have gotten the power they've gotten. But, you know, once again, 
back to these major issues, <laughs> what's my top issue? There are so many major issues that people are not aware of. And the more I get into this, the worse it gets. And that's why it's, you know, th this is why you don't see a lot of things get done because I'm going to have to go like go in there like a China in a, bu a bull in a China cabinet and just start wrecking ball across the board. And I've got to get people behind me that understand the stuff that aren't from the system, like people that are with the alienation or the family courts, people like your situation where they're taking your children and say, I need to know what's going on. I need you to put a team together and I need to get people working on this ASAP and then find a, a legislator to write the bill to get it up to me as lieutenant governor so that we can start pushing this stuff through because it's this has got to stop. Like, this is not what our country is founded upon. And like I said, it pissed me off when I, they mess with my kids. I can only imagine. They took my kids. God help them what I would be doing to them. So, uh, yeah. No, I feel for you. It's 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 very sickening and sad. And uh, I will do everything I can if I get there to, to go after it for you. And I'd probably be good to message me on Telegram. So if I get to that point, I do know who you are so we can talk. Okay. I will do so. Thank you, sir. And I'll reach out to you. God bless you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Humble, you're next. Hello, hello. Um, another Texas individual here. So I, I have a couple of questions, but um, foremost, I just want to say thank you for running because people think that Texas is, you know, red and, you know, very conservative. We're slowly learning that actually it's quite different it's power struggle power controlled state of elitist here um many people look at texas or should i say i look at texas like it's a mafia system um who can be bought um who's going to be the go-to guy and abbott everybody knows needs to go he was in bush's pocket uh, Bush was in his pocket, same forth. But during the presidential elections, uh, we had Dan Crenshaw come up. And it's people like that, that, oh, well, we're Republican when we're learning that they're rhinos. And what, how can we fix this other than better integrity? Why can't these people be locked up that we can connect to these organized crimes that they're doing because i'm just gonna come out and say it they're basically part of the cabal they all run in the same circle they're funneling and everything we have child trafficking across the border we have you know the underwater systems we have the borders where the wall's not completed it's not a pay for play it's a it's just it's so disheartening because we look at Texas as the great long star state um, to keep that last little bit of liberty. We have that, I don't even have the correct word to say it, that stigma that we're just powerful, but it's not about the people. It's a power with, within the establishment. How do you foresee taking these people out? Because if we do this voter reform, that's going to take a while. And they're not, you're still going to have so many. What, why can't we stand up to show them this is what we're going to do? If we find that you're, you have these connections, that you're doing these things, there's no 
go past go and collect two hundred dollars. It's straight to jail because you're corrupt. Your hands in the cookie jar. Okay, let's let him answer the question. There we go. Okay, so <clears throat> the answer is we do have that power. We the people have the power to do whatever we want. We could march on Austin right now and take it down. We could march on DC and take it down too. We we could. That's an option. But unfortunately, we're addicted to a lifestyle in this country, and people aren't willing to step up until they they it, it becomes personal to them. It's it's a it's the way we've educated our population for the past sixty years. We've been dumbing down our education. We've been indoctrinating children into believing that everything we do is bad. They don't understand that literally our country is founded upon not following the rules. Uh, that you know, Texas, you know, we buck everything. That's the persona in Texas that we're this almighty powerful state and we don't take crap from nobody but in reality is people move here and they're like what the hell this is this is almost where i was in my last state and that's where i try to remind texans all the time there's a lot of people from out of state that moved here that wanted to come here as conservatives and they're fighting harder than the people that live here because they saw this happen in their last day now they're coming here and going oh crap what do i do the only way we do it is people have to you either have to get enough people in office like myself that are going to stand up and do it. And I mean, let's be honest, I'm very outspoken. I think y'all could probably tell that by now. Do you don't think I don't, I'm not risking my life doing this? I, first, they're going to sigh out me if I win the primary. My own party is going to bury me to try to make me lose to a Democrat because the last thing they could do is have someone like me in office. They're going to plant something on me. They're going to do all kinds of things. And I've already figured out how I'm going to try to protect myself from that kind of stuff. And, and things like that. This is what they do. But the problem is we've become so afraid to fight back in this country because look what happened on January 6th. What? Because they locked up 600 people and now we're scared again? That's what they do to us every time we challenge them. They, they The, the three-letter alphabet agencies come after us. They set us up. They infiltrate our movements. And then we run we run afraid. So, you know, you you got three options. You vote your way out of it, which is what I'm trying to do for now. When we, when we no longer have the ability to vote, the next option is we go to war with our own government. That's how we found, that's this country was founded. That's what happened. We told you, the, you we told Britain no more. And, and, and our own founding fathers warned us about this situation. But it's going to take people, it's going to take Americans hitting rock bottom. Because until we hit rock bottom, you know, we won't break our addictive lifestyles. And they're getting close to that. The question is, do we have to get all the way to rock bottom before people stand up? I'm hoping enough people in Texas will fight back this time. We'll change the governor, the AG, the lieutenant governor, and go on down the list. And we'll have enough people in office that they can't go after one of us, and they'll be stuck trying to deal with all of us. And then we put our foot down, and we we stand up for the state of Texas, and we force the United States government to make their move. And when they make their move, it'll wake enough people up that we, you know, that'll turn the tides back to doing what we need to do. But, I mean, we have the ability. People are afraid to do it. I mean, how hard would it be for half of Texas just to stop paying their, their property taxes at the end of the year? You don't have to pay them. Come arrest half of the state of Texas. Good luck. Where are they going to put us all? But we don't because we're always afraid of, you know why? Because when I was in corporations and I stood up against uh, bad corporations that were not following the rules, how many times I went up and stood up and my whole team was like, yeah, we'll be there with you. We're going we're gonna to do this. And I walked in that office by myself because when it really comes to it, how many people took their vaccine mandates to keep their job? They said they weren't going to do it, but then it came down to vaccine mandates or, or losing your job. And what did they say? Well, I can't afford to lose my lifestyle. So your answer is when are people going to wake up? Not when, when can we do something about this government? It's when are people going to wake up and actually fight back for our rights? That's the answer. It has nothing to do with our government. We know these guys are corrupt. We know they're crooked. It's on us to take it back from them. So that's 
you know, kind of how I look at it. I love your energy and your fight. Thank you. Hey, Gam, you're up next. Okay. Well, here we go. I'm going to hit the feds really hard here. And this is our screwed up system. My question is, where can you live on $1,000 a month? Okay, and the reason why I ask this question is that my sister is legally blind. Okay, there's no place. So, she has worked the system as good as she can. She has four evictions. She finally got vouchers to get into an apartment. But guess what? She can't afford it. One, she doesn't make enough income because most apartments want twice as much as income that doesn't work and now she's got four evictions she can't even get into a place our system is so screwed up what are we doing with the money that's the point what are we doing with the money oh i know what we're doing we're giving it we're extending our arms to homeless alliance we're giving our hands out to the homeless alliance so we're giving a company, another company, because it's an extension. It's an arm extension. But the deal is, is that we are causing these people to live on the streets because $999 a month does not get you in an apartment. What are you going to do in, about that? What are we going to do to make, I mean, because what, $15 an hour? That equals up to $2,400 a month. Our senior citizens and our disability people are on the street because they can't get into a place. Is there anything that the, that can happen? So my question is, what would you do on a thousand dollars a month? So my question is, do you, do you want the government to solve that problem, or do you want to get the government out of the life so we have charities that can help those people out? That's our problem. This is Homeless Alliance here in Oklahoma. I understand yes. that, but you're you're giving you're you're talking about a thousand dollars given by the government. You're asking the citizens of Texas to pay for disabilities. While I feel for that, I don't believe it's the government's job to take care of of those situations. I, I don't pay my taxes so that they can be given to other people. I would be glad to take much of my money back and go find church organizations and nonprofit organizations that we can make held accountable because more people will be there to help these situations out. Because the problem is you're giving them, you're expecting the government to solve a problem that they will never solve because they don't give a crap about the people. All you are is another way for them to cause problems and, and to move money around through all these things. That's what, I mean, look at the NGOs right now with the Catholic charities and moving illegals in our state, paid by our taxpayer dollars. The solution to our problem is not how do we get the government to solve our problems. The solution is to get the government out of the life so that people have money in their pockets to help those people out. That's what should be happening because <clears throat> there should be ways to assist them, just like the veterans. The veterans that go to war and then they're treated like absolute dog crap by our, by our, our, by our government. You know, easy it'd be to set up veterans facilities where we set up small homes for them to, to put them all together. Because one thing veterans need is to be able to talk to each other because that's the only people that really understand them so that they can go do that. Same thing with the disability situation, right? Why don't we have camps set up for people like that, that there is the assistance needed for them that could be provided to them by a nonprofit organization, a church organization, something to assist them. Well, the part of the problem is that we're taxed into the ground in this country. And so nobody has enough money to actually assist anything. I mean, I, the, 
$15 minimum wage is not meant to be, $15 minimum wage is nothing anymore because we screwed up our country. $15 minimum wage five years ago was plenty livable on. It's not now. I mean, so we we keep we keep asking the government to solve our problems, and then we get mad when the government doesn't solve our problems. And that's my issue with everything. I don't want more government handing out more of my money and distributing my money. I want the government to give all of us our money back, go to a much lower tax base, and say, here's your money. Go spend it where you think it's necessary. And then you'd have more money to help out. Our cost of living wouldn't be so crazy because of all the taxes and everything like that. And maybe $1,000 to $1,500 a month would be able to help that problem. But we can't solve these problems by continuing to beg the government to do it for us. And I'm going to go straight with that everywhere I go. If you ask me to solve the problem with the government by making the government bigger or handing more money out, I'm going to go against you every time. Now, is there situations where we need to look at and see what we can do, especially now until we can fully remove that? Probably so. But if you go back and look at all the corruption in every one of these organizations, I bet you there's a lot more than $1,000 going towards, towards your sister. I bet you there's a lot more money going to that alliance that isn't getting to her because they're using it for overhead and they're abusing it and they're blowing it. So the money's not going where it needs to go in the first place. So I don't want the government involved in these situations. And I know that's not the political answer you probably were expecting, but I'm not a politician and I'm not going to lean towards government taking my life anymore. And I'm not going to lean towards them taxing me so that I can help other people. Look, that's not what our government's supposed to do. It's on us as Christians and as good natured people to assist those in need. That's our job, not the government's job. And the problem is now we depend so much on the government that everybody holds their money because they don't, well, the government will take care of that person. I don't need to do it. No, we need to go back to giving a crap about our own people and helping those people in need. That's how we solve these problems. But that has to be a change in our hearts and it has to be a change in the system as the way it is now where it taxes into the ground, where we don't have the money to do what we need to do and getting abused, what the money is there needs to stop being abused. So it's a wonderful pipe dream. It'll probably honestly never happen because we have so much corruption, but that's the route we need to go. And 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 I'm I feel horrible for the situation. It's yeah, you're right. Four evictions is ridiculous. It's not fair. It's it's not fair at all because she's screwed now because of four evictions. It's it's the same with the small drug crimes. You get one small drug crime and then you get racked up at 19 years old and now you're screwed forever because of it. <clears throat> well, no wonder they can't ever get out of that hole. And so we do this to people all the time. We need to find a better way to help people out when they're in need. And that that's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. And I agree. My my deal is is that we need to quit sending our tax dollars to foreign countries until we get these people off the street and get them taken care of and get them agree. cleaned up, get them out of the garage. There's a lot of yeah. homeless people. All you have to do is give them plywood and a ply board, you know, and two by fours. They'll build their own. Well, I got a bigger, that... I, I got a, I got a big idea of how to fix it. Most people probably think of, depends on what you think of it. It would, it's, I've got to, but I'm not going to go. It's a long winded thing. And it's, I, it would have to be done by multiple cities and stuff like that. There's ways we can help the homeless. Some of them don't want to come off the street, uh, but some of them have been put in bad position and they need actual help. Not what we're doing right now. So the, I, I trust me, I used to work down. I used to work by homeless, bunch of homeless shelters for a gas station. I, I've seen it all. It's, 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 it's not good. It's it's not good at all. Oh, yeah. I, I realized that because, you know, I didn't know it was that bad until my sister called me and told me she was at a bus station when it was when it was like 20 degrees. So, I mean, and I ran and picked her up and I have financially put her in an RV in an RV park 
and mm-hmm. I am financially taking care of that. So, I mean, I can understand to help your own. But my deal is, is that our government has screwed up the system so bad. I mean, seriously, we jerk kids out of homes. Oh, but the foster people, parents, get $1,500 per child. That's a problem because if you would have given that $1,500 to the parent, maybe they wouldn't be doing the drugs and doing the drinking so they can forget about their problems. So, I mean, I can, I, 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 there's only so much you can do. But no, but, but you are correct. You are correct. We, we, why didn't that money go to the family that needed the help? Because we don't care about actually saving the nuclear family. Everything is meant to pull apart and divide the nuclear family. They're trying to divide us in every way, shape, and form. And one of the things is they need to move the children as much away from the parental structure as possible, especially the nuclear parental structure, because that's how you divide a country. That's how you destroy the youth and you turn them on the adults and they become dependent on the government instead of on, on, you know, the way we've always done it, which is, you know, your belief in God is as your upper structure. And and whether whether you agree with God or not, it doesn't matter. The point is no one should be praying to the government to, to be your leader and, uh, this is all by design. They, they know what they're doing to us. Tam, you're next. Hi, Aaron. Um, I'm Tammy, and I am a resident of Louisiana. However, my son is uh, in Dallas, Texas. He couldn't join the speaking tonight because he's working. However, I did send him your information, and I did tell him to vote for you because you're the real deal patriot. I really appreciate how passionate you are about all the topics that have been brought up tonight. And thank you for coming on CPN and talking to the other patriots, the people that, you know, really want change. So my question for you tonight is when can he go vote for you? Like when is the election? Well, you can early vote starting Valentine's Day. But like I said, unless you just have no choice, I prefer we vote March 1st. Uh, That's the only way we can. If you vote early, you're just giving them a heads up. And they can manipulate the votes and stuff like that. And, you know, figure out that, hey, we're we're voting way more than normal. Let's jack up any cheating systems. So March 1st is ideal. But like I said, you can technically start voting February 14th. So and and thank you for the comments. I appreciate that very much. I'm I'm trying to be me and be upfront and honest. And, you know, I don't don't want to give you political answers because that's that's what we are to get all the time. And it's, it's a load of crap. We all know it. So. Yeah, well, I'm a person that definitely appreciates uh, the honesty, even if it is uh, the harsh truth, at least it's the truth, you know, and so um, I think you're doing great, and I will tell him to go in and vote on March 1st. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do we have anyone else that has a question, and please click the button to raise your hands. Hi, Aaron. Um, I'm a Wisconsin tonight, but I have a question about uh, what's your ideas on welfare reform? How would you change? How would you change the welfare system to actually help a single parent rather than um, make it make their life a little more difficult? And I'll, I'll, let me explain where I'm coming from with this. I was I'm I'm a single mom. I raised my son on my own. He's legally blind. He's on SSI. Um, when he was a baby, I lived in an apartment. Our rent was $350 a month. Our food assistance was $400 a month. My cash assistance was $400 a month. 
Now, with food stamps, you can't buy diapers, you can't buy wipes. You have fifty dollars a month for everything. You, you, I didn't, I, I, uh, at the time, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. Um, it was hard to find a job at the time. And I lived in a very small town in Wisconsin. So, <laughs> you know, life was really tough. But when you have $400 a month in food for you and a nine-month-old baby, but you only have $50 a month in cash for baby wipes, diapers, shampoo, conditioners, whatever you need, you know, what you need, and I'm even talking tampons, <laughs> you know, um, but you have $400 a month in food. How does a, you and a, and a nine-month-old baby ever going to eat $400 worth of food a month? You're not going to. So my question is, how would you, do you have any ideas on changing welfare to actually help people get off, get, get on their feet rather than keeping them down? Well, I mean, I guess I would still go back to what I said a minute ago is you're, you're asking, you're asking the government to solve the problem and, and that's still an issue. It's, it's a problem because then when they get involved, nothing's right. Um, you know, I, it's not it's not the answer everybody wants to hear, but the fact is you're never going to get it solved by doing the government. It's not going to get solved. I mean, you're in a small town. That's the part that doesn't help. You know, you're probably not a lot of access to things. That makes it a lot harder than being in a little bit bigger city. Um, but I think we need to create organizations that go in and actually try to go around those areas and, and help, uh, you know, like maybe helping out like a Mills on Wheels type program going around and doing their job better. Um, you know, not necessarily funding it from the government, but encouraging and maybe helping facilitate some of that. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think welfare should be workfare. I don't think you should be allowed to just sit there and collect money. Um, you know, th there's some disability situations, maybe that's different. We'll, you know, that's some things we need to, I'd have to look at fully uh, because I do understand there are, there are things that can cause some problems. Um, like, I mean, I was, I broke my back twice in seven months and I couldn't work. For a while, but I had insurance, so all that covered. And it wasn't easy. I barely paid my bills. I'd have my family, uh, mom, but both both sides of our family, actually, my wife and I, have, you know, help us out. So, I mean, I've had some struggles to get things done. And now here I am five years later running for office. And, and have, you know, so, I mean, there's ways to get us out, which is, but we need people that are willing to help. And we don't need the government doing it for us all. And that's... But as like I said, as far as welfare goes, I don't think you should be allowed to just go. Like, I, I understand that. Okay, we're going to provide welfare. We got people that need jobs. You know, there's a lot of picking up trash on the side of the road. There's a lot of mowing of things that I have to pay my tax dollars for. Well, if you know, if you're going to sit there and do nothing, you know, not to per se for your situation, but you know, in most of these situations, then you need to be working for it. You need to be drug tested. We need to make sure there's no corruption in it. We need to make sure these people, because you know, what, if you go to welfare, you find out there's probably not as much money being wasted in these systems. And then those, you know, what is there can properly help the people that, you know, whatever we decide is left, you know, probably could help them uh, because right now it's being drained. I've, I've worked retail my whole life. I've watched people abuse welfare, uh, food stamps. Now it's EBT in Texas. Uh, I've watched people walk in in a brand new Escalade, full Nike, uh, gold watch on, and they walk up and give me an EBT to pay for their groceries. It makes me want to come across the counter. So, cause there's people that like yourself that really needed that money. And these, these people are abusing it. And it's it's absolutely disgusting. So I, I don't I don't even like 
the welfare, I think we get rid of that, make it work fair, and then we figure out how to handle some of the other issues like your situation and see what we can do to facilitate helping people out. Because like I said, it goes back to my Christian values. I don't want to see anybody struggle. Everybody deserves to have a chance in this world. Everybody deserves to be, you know, to not struggle. That baby doesn't deserve to have to struggle because you can't provide the necessary resources to them. Uh, but, you know, we, we need to figure those out as a country, not, but I don't, I, I still am going to lean to less government interference where, where I can. Linda, Texas Patriot, you have to have a quick question. Yes, earlier you were asked about um, if you knew uh, what you felt about Pat Fallon. I'd yes. just like to ask that you would please look into Dan Thomas, who's running against Pat Fallon. Oh, wait, that's right. Dan is running against Dan is running against Pat Fallon, right? I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, no, definitely. I didn't even, I'm so busy. I've, I've actually spoke with, I've been in front of, uh, spoken in the same events with Dan twice, but I, I don't put it together because those are not my direct areas. So and I'm, I'm so busy. So yes. And Dan Thomas against Pat Fallon, 100% vote Dan Thomas. He's a good dude. He stood up for mandates uh, and he got fired from his job as a broadcaster. Forget which, which news station it was uh, in DFW. So uh, yes, Dan Thomas is definitely who I would vote for if I was in that area. He worked at KXI 1012 in Sherman, Denison. He was a news broadcaster, and he was allergic to the jab. And even though he was allergic to the jab, they fired him for not getting it. So he is a, uh, a good candidate. He has my vote, and Aaron, you have my vote, and I want to thank you for your courage and your sacrifice. Thank you. By the way, for anybody that isn't Dan in that area then, um, February 9th. So what are we a couple days away now? I don't even know what date is anymore. Uh, sometime at the end of this week, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Thomas, myself, and two other people will actually be at the Concrete Cowboy in Frisco, Texas, speaking. So um, if you want to meet Dan or myself, uh, if you're in that area, feel free to come by because we will be there. And I'll, I'll post it on my Telegram channel and my website, too, for anybody to see the exact times. So Thank you. Awesome. So Thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else have a question before we get ready to close? I'll say something real quick, if you don't mind. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm from Florida. I used, I lived in Austin for one year, so and my kids go out there um, to see their dad once a year. I won't get into that, but um, you're just speaking from the heart. I mean, you do what you can. I don't really have a question, but I just want to say, yeah, I moved back with family and did what I can to stay off the government. Not everybody has it that way. I understand temporary, but uh, I love your thinking. Like I'm saving right now every year. I'm in the process. I'm waiting till this uh, dipshit president leaves, but I'm trying to buy my own business, like a daycare or a tutoring company. Um, but you just think you just said it beautifully and we appreciate you on here and we hope you come back again. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Secret Squirrel, you're next with a quick question. Secret Squirrel, did you have a question? Yes, sorry, I thought I took it off the mute. Um, my question was, uh, what what are you going to be able to do about the current corruption once you get to, once you get you you know get voted into your position? Um, what what type of uh, policies or what can be done from your end about, you know, the internal corruption within Texas itself? I mean, 
from my side as lieutenant governor. I, I can control the corruption on the committees because I assign the committees. Um, I, you know, I can control what happens from there. And then from also any anything I'm in charge of, I'm planning on auditing everything I can. Um, and for in fact, I'd like to see some stuff go through where we can get audits across every single organization in Texas that's on the that's part of the government. Every one of them are wasting. Uh, I don't. I want to change how we do our budgeting so that these there's not all this money for these people to do all this corruption with. And uh, you know that's that's the basics of it. But the rest of it is going to be. So, well, I didn't tell you all this. So one of the things I I, I joked about and I, I posted a video the other day about it is people want to know if I'm going to be transparent. So I was joking originally and now it's become an official statement. My plan, well, not my plan. My pledge is that day one, session one, when I, I mean, day one of being in Austin, not session one, day one of Austin, I will install cameras in every one of my suits and I will walk around Austin with a camera on at all point. And if uh, they don't like it, too bad, so sad. If they don't want to talk on camera, I'll make sure their constituents know they don't want to talk on camera. What's, it, you're a public servant paid for by our tax dollars, except for executive meetings. That's the only thing private in our Constitution. Then you should be in front of the public. So same thing goes with lobbyists. They're going to be recorded. And if they come in for to do one thing, uh, then I'm going to make, you know, let's say they come in to be pro-choice, then they're going to bring an abolitionist in. You're going to have to sit on camera, try to buy me with your counterpart in, in, in the same room. Good luck with that. So, that I mean, there's ways to fix this corruption. It just requires people being willing to do it and not be bought. And, you know, I think that's why if you look at my finances, if you go look them up, I don't have a lot of money. I've got my personal money. And I've made a hell of a hell of a run at this so far. And I, I still think I'm in second place, even with the little money I spent, because I'm talking to the people the way they the way it needs to be. I'm being a normal person. My message is reaching people. And and people are tired of politicians saying they're going to be transparent but not doing anything about it. And that's how you do it. Like, put a camera on, do this stuff. How do you stop corruption? Well, expose all their butts. That's what you do. And if they don't like that, I don't, I don't care. And But the, the problem is I'm risking my life doing that. I, I'm seriously risking my life threatening to expose the Austin cesspool. These guys don't want to lose that power. There's a reason everybody goes up there and you wonder what happens. It's because they get pressured into it. They get threatened. They get blackmailed. Uh, you know, they're bought before they ever get in there. I'm not bought. And they won't. None of the big donors. I've had three big donors reach out to me. And after I talked to them or they watched some of my speeches, they ran from me as fast as they could because I call out the big donors. So, you know, the, the first start is to be different than everybody else and then to go in there and fight for it. And, you know, it takes more than me. It takes an army of Texans behind me that say, you mess with him, and then we're going to fight back, and we're going to make you pay for it. It isn't about one person. It's about all of us combined. I'm just the guy in one position that can that will have the authority to do something about it, and that's how we make that difference. It, it's not about me. It's about them being afraid of the, the people. Thank you. You're awesome answers. Thank you so much. Hey, Mike, back to you. All right. I think for the win had a question as well. Okay. For the win, go ahead. Hey, Aaron. It's been a pleasure to hear you this evening because I think you've been totally one of the candidates that have been completely candid with everything that they've said. And that's what we, the people, want to see. My question really is, is the way things are going, they look pretty good for yourself. And that Texas lieutenant governor spot generally can be a good springboard to higher positions. Do you have an inkling for higher positions one day? No, I do not. I, do, I did this because they pissed me off. 
and I'm going up there to do something about it. And I plan to get out. I've already had people asking me if I'm going to run for more. I don't plan on it. I, and I don't think we should be career politicians. And if I do my job as Lieutenant Governor of Texas with the governor at the same time, I'm also going to push for term limits. Uh, I don't think you should serve more than eight years. So I'm going to push for that and uh, hopefully we get that done too, to, you know, help kind of control some of this power grab. But um, no, I, I got a business, I got a family. This, this is not fun. Uh, I don't like traveling. You know, I've been on the road already for six hours today. I don't like missing my family just so I can go fix just, just for, you know, just so I can what have power and money. It's irrelevant to me. I have a business. I'm fine. And I'd much rather be home with my family. So no, no, no plans to go larger. You know, you can't ever say it won't happen, but I don't have plans. Uh, if I lose this, I have plans to basically go scorched earth on the Republican establishment in Texas for the next four years. God help them. What I'm going to do the next four years to everybody I can, um, including the the grifting grassroots organizations that don't want things to change because that's how they raise their money. And um, you know, we'll see where 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 it takes me. Right? I, I, you know, I don't I don't know, but that's kind of how I look at it now. And I think if I do my job as Lieutenant Governor of Texas, which is where I was going a minute ago, Texas has the ability to change not only Texas, but it has the ability to change the U.S. and it has the ability to change the war. And it seems arrogant, and yeah, I'm a Texan, so I am arrogant. But the fact is, that's how much power Texas has. That's why they're so focused on taking Texas down, because we have the power to stand up to the federal government. If we can, if we can stand up, other states will join in with Texas. And if we could fix the United States as a whole, then it would change the whole world. And I think at that point, if that's what I'd pull off in eight years, I think I can go home for the rest of my life and know I did I did my 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 duty to the country. So appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Aaron. Um, I want to say much love, much respect. Um <laughs> I already knew I was gonna like you before you even started talking, but everything that you said 100 percent You know, I'm a biracial male. Um, we growing up didn't grow up in the the best environments and now me and my brother are in in neighborhoods we own our own houses cars and the the statistics and the odds was against us but just like you said you can't depend on the government and we have to get out of that mindset because they've programmed us to think that we need to be getting help from the government which allowed them to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and then we're sitting here complaining about the corruption because people are begging for handouts. So what we need is done as small government and we need more job creation and more opportunity and be independent. And that's how we get them out of our lives. So I, I loved everything that you said. Seth Kesho is a, a very good friend of mine. Um, I know you guys are always traveling. I was going to bring Seth on here the other day and he's like, you know, I was going to take my son to to six flags and and i'm like oh you know what <laughs> don't worry about it take your son enjoy your son because i'm he doesn't see his father he needs his father because seth castro is one of those patriots that many many patriots in this movement on social media they don't talk about him much you know but they don't understand how powerful and what he's doing when he's boots on the ground going to every state so i know you guys being away from your kids that's hard so i have a lot of respect for seth I have a lot of respect for you. I'm thankful that I've got the the honor to meet you, you know. Um and when I when Seth endorsed you, I just knew you're a patron. Plus you guys are both from the the same state. I mean <laughs> Seth Castle. And we borderline look like each other too, if you've seen the picture of us together. It's actually hilarious. I, 
I was thinking about that when I was just looking at you on the video. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask the same thing. No, we took so the first time I met Seth. Uh, he's three inches taller than me, but we were both in almost we were both in similar boots, uh, almost identical jean color. Uh, we had almost the same blazer color on, similar shirts on, and I was like, "Wow, we do look we do look like we're brothers." Like, so we have a picture of us together. It's actually hilarious. Yeah, other than him being taller, it's it's pretty funny. So nice. Well, like I said, I won't keep you. I know we're going over an hour now. I really appreciate you coming on, and this platform is your platform. I am going to give you the, uh, I'm going to turn you as an admin. So when our wall is closed, if you got any information you need to share, um, if you have someone that's running your social media and they want to uh, send out wherever your event's going to be at and our wall is closed, people will be able to see that. So I just want to let you know that. And this platform is your platform. Well, I appreciate that very much. Mike. Most so. definitely. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, I one one final thing, real quick. Mention that point about biracial. People need to remember one thing: God doesn't make mistakes, and your skin color was not a was not an accident. So people need to stop looking at skin tone, start focusing on morals and our values, and what makes people believe in this country. Stop letting them divide us in these areas that we don't need to be divided in. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. And all of us have value. We just need to go out and reach out to everybody. And you'll be amazed at what we can do when we stop letting them divide us based on skin tone, based on religion, based on business, based on whatever it may be. When we unite as a people and we stop listening to the division and start talking about politics and religion and talking about life again and not ignoring our neighbors, the country will turn around like we've never seen it before. And the federal government and the state governments won't have any clue how to handle all of us. So um, it's a very big deal. And uh, we, we need to fight hard to, to start coming back together as a people. So, and I don't mean the far left fringe commies. I'm talking about the red, the normal people in the world that we all know what I'm talking about. So, Amen. Well said. So, well, thanks for having me, Mike. So and yeah, I guess uh, you'll yeah, have a good night. Most definitely, Aaron. You have a good one. And like I said, uh, we'll love to bring you back on again. All right, appreciate that. All right, everybody, have a good one. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. All right. right. Bye bye. Last week, sir.